I've got to give a te- testimony to, to God because for a couple of weeks I haven't really been able to walk on his ankle. And I'm walking pretty good. It was swollen. It was red. It was inflamed. It was hurting. It was awful. And it's amazing how one thing that affects your walk affects almost everything else about your walk. You know, Jenny is fully aware of this on a much more painful level than I am. But, you know, because I, was, I, I couldn't really walk in his ankle, I started to walk funny. And so my knee started to hurt. And then my other, my hip started to hurt because I was trying to compensate for the knee. And, and all these things started to get out of whack. So by the time my ankle started to feel better because of the medicine I was on, uh, the other things were still kind of hurting and still affecting the way I walk. I was kind of walking like Walter Brennan, if anybody remembers who he is. Yeah, yeah. Kind of walk like like this. Anyways, what does that have to do with anything? It was a relief when the when when the swelling and the pain. And the inflammation started to leave my ankle. And when, it was a relief to be able to start to walk normal, you know, with some strength in my leg and feeling like I could go down the stairs without something happening. It's a wonderful relief. And I think when, we, when it comes to talking about being morally blameless this morning, one of the components of being sacred and holy was morally blameless, physically pure, ceremonially set apart. We talk about morally blameless, but think about it for a minute. If you could feel morally blameless this morning, without blemish, without spot, without the deep effects of sin, your past sin on your life today, how free would you feel this morning? What expression of gratitude would whelm up from deep inside of you if you can feel that this morning? Think about the other relief that holiness does. What it frees you from. Who it connects you to. And it is a sacred thing. It is a precious gift that God gives us to be, able, to be able to stand before Him and be morally blameless without accusation. And maybe somehow this morning we feel like, yeah, that's great. I would love to feel that. But that's just not possible. You don't know my past. This word says it's possible. And not only is it possible, it is supposed to be our natural state as a Christian. This is the way that we're supposed to walk. That we can walk, that we should walk, that we need to walk. So we either believe what this word says, or we don't. There's no, there's no in-between here. We believe this word, what it says but it says it can do in us and through us and for us. Or we say, it's just another book in my library that I like to read. Or we open it up and we read these words 
We read God's heart. We, we sense what he's saying to us through these wonderful, precious promises that we're going to read about. And we can either say, Father, man, that sounds great, but you don't know my past. Of course he does. And yes, I've accepted you as my Savior, as my Messiah, but, but those, I did so many bad. How can I be morally blameless before you? Last week we read this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. If He has called us out, handpicked us, chosen us, called us by name, given us a personal name, made us royal priests, able to make sacrifices of ourselves, a holy sacrifice of our life, of our actions, of of what we say we believe. If He has called us His own, He has drawn a circle around us saying, these belong to me. These are mine. I have called them and separated them for myself. They're my special possession. If he has done that and called us out of a dark place into the light, then it is possible to walk morally blameless. First Thessalonians 2.10, Paul makes a fantastic claim. Listen to this. You are my witnesses. And God also, how holy, how righteous, and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. Wow! How holy, and righteous, and blameless. Paul is saying, you saw us up close and personal. You saw everything that was going on. We walked this way in front of you and in front of God. And we were holy, blameless, and righteous before you. This was, this was the deal. This was the real deal. We did this. Paul is making a tremendous claim here. The word of holy here means devout, divinely sanctioned, approved by God. So you were our witnesses. And God also, how divinely sanctioned and approved by God we were before you. We were righteous. We were upright. We were innocent in our character and our actions. And we were blameless because we were above accusation. We were above it. Now imagine for a moment the impact to walk a holy, righteous, and blameless life in this world. Imagine the places that you walk now, the places you work, the places you go and visit, the people that you deal with. Imagine if you had this trifecta of working on all levels in your life. Imagine the impact that you could have in this world. And the point is, this is the way that we are to walk. This is possible for us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 to 13 says this. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love 
towards one another and towards all men, even as we also did towards you. To the end that he might establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. A morally blameless life begins with love. Begins with love and begins here. Jesus says in Matthew 5 8, he says, You know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. And that's not just in the future I get to see God. That means I get to see how God moves in this world. I get to recognize how he deals with people. I get to see how he deals with the hurt, the sinful, the people that need deliverance. I get to see this, and not only do I get to see it, I understand it. I see God. I understand God. That's what that word means. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But my heart doesn't feel so pure this morning. Not a lot of days my heart doesn't feel so pure. How is this possible then? How did this... Because I, I'm in my own skin. I know, how, I know my thought life. I, I, I know the processes that I go through in dealing with people. I know the shortcomings that I have. I know the failures that I have. I know everything that I struggle with. And then I read these scriptures and I'm saying, Really? Really? And yes is the answer. Yes is the answer. Although it doesn't seem possible. However, let's look back at this scripture because I'm going to take it apart a little bit. Because a marvelous blameless life does begin with love. But let's take this scripture apart. And the Lord make you increase and abound. Now these are two different Greek words, but they both mean the same thing, at least the same connotation. It means to superabound. Okay, both of them mean to superabound. And to grow off the charts, basically. So he wants to make us increase and abound in love. Begins with love. This is agape love. This is the most selfless, selfless love that there is. This is the love that God loves us with. So he wants us to abound in agape love. Towards one another, towards all men. That means... Uh, all men. Even as the disciples says, even as we show towards you. This is our example. We, we, we fleshed this out in front of you. This is what we did. We loved you. To the end, so that he might establish. This word means to set fast and to turn purposely in a certain direction. So he wants to do a work in our heart to fill it with agape love and turn it towards the direction, well, towards his direction. To have a heart turned towards him. How else can we have a pure heart if it's not turned towards him? And then he wants, once that heart is turned, he wants to set it in place so it doesn't move again off of him. Set fast. Establish your hearts. So they will be unblameable. And again, this word means above accusation. Above accusation. That There's, there's, there's no question about this. That you are blameless, faultless. In holiness, and that word means just moral purity, before our God at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. When we abound in love, when we increase in love, holiness, righteousness, purity, a blameless 
mindset comes and it does this inner work in our heart. And we begin to see God. Because the pure in heart get to see God. I really believe this morning that the Father's heart, His purpose, His choice is to make us holy and blameless. Mostly so we can be with Him. See, He wants us morally blameless so that we can be with Him. So we can be in His presence. So we can walk with Him, talk with Him, commune with Him. Never, so He can live and abide with us. This is a relational invitation to be holy and blameless. Pure in his, in his presence. This is an invitation. This isn't just a, a, a conduct that he's trying to change, a behavior that he's trying to change. Those will when we're in his presence. Again, it's an invitation to, his, to be with him. Okay. Go to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and your virtue with knowledge. And your knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and with brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are in you and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. You will never fall. That's huge. That's huge. I want to take apart this scripture too. Thank you for letting me do this. This helps me. His divine power. Everything that makes God, God. Everything that makes God who He says He is. His redemptive power, His creative power, His power, His majesty, His grace, His mercy, His love. Everything that is God. His divine power has granted to us all things. Some things? A few things? A couple of things? All things. Nothing's left out here. You don't need the Greek for that. <laughs> All things. He's got it covered. That pertain to life. Pertain to life. This word means absolute fullness of life. A robust life. An active life. Wow. And godliness. This particular Greek word means a God-hearted response with devotion towards God. God has planted something in us and so that we can give our devotion to Him. So His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge. 
That word knowledge means a a precise understanding of who Christ is. There's There's no room for doubt here. A precise knowledge of who he is. Of him who called you, again, with a loud voice and by name, same word that we talked about before, unto his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. That word promises, uh, it means an assurance that something good is going to happen. Some, something good is going to happen. God assurances. So that through those promises, through those promises, you might become partakers of the divine nature, of that creative, redemptive, everything that God is for us. Partakers. A partner. An associate. A companion. One who shares. Think about this for a minute. God wants to share with you His nature. If you remember anything today, God wants to share His nature. Everything that He is. Everything that makes God God. His divine nature. He wants to share. Oh my goodness. Walking a morally blameless life? If God wants to share His nature with me? Is God holy? Is that part of His divine nature? And He wants to do what? Just saying that makes me feel free. God, who has created the universe and everything in it, and who knows what else, who's full of mercy, who's full of grace, who's full of love, who's full of forgiveness, whose divine nature is holy beyond our imagination, wants to share that with us. We can become partakers of that. Wow! Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of our sinful desire. If partakers means an associate, remember we talked about last week, we said that some people are guilty by association. Remember that old saying? But we said last week, what, that we are not guilty by association, right? Because of who we're associated with. Because we're partakers with. Because who has come with redemption and has redeemed our souls from the pit. And has done everything to sanctify us, to make us right before Him by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we can be partakers of the divine nature. Because He has delivered us from darkness into the light. And saved us from the corruption of the world. Man, that is freedom. Let's go back to verse 5 for a minute. For this very reason, because of the things we just said, make every effort to supplement your faith. Make every effort. This word, this, this is a picture. When, when the Greeks say make every effort, what they're saying is... I'm. I'm going to take something that I need to do. I'm going to, there's, there's something I need to accomplish. And it's so important to me that I'm going to bring this deed, or I'm going to bring this person, if it's a, someone that I'm dealing with, I'm going to bring them right here, right ne- next to my side. And I won't let them leave my side. I'm going to make every effort that, that, that I stick with this. 
And the only way for me to stick with this is that it becomes so close to me, it's almost a part of me. That's what this word means. Make every effort. So I'm going to take this and I'm going to bring it to my side because it's really serious that I do this. Make every effort. Make it part of you. Uh, that word supplement means to supply and nourish. Supply and nourish. So we're going to make every effort to supply and nourish what? Well, our faith. Our faith. Faith is moral conviction, a persuasion by God. It's a divine thing. See, we, faith comes from God. Faith comes from His Word. And it's a, it, it is a persuasion of God that, of who He is. So we're going to nourish that faith. We're going to nourish that faith. We're going to nourish it with virtue. I love virtue. I never really understood what virtue was. I thought it was good. And it does mean that. Virtue means, a, it means moral excellence. But it's a course, a, a course of action, a course of thought that is morally pure. But, but the Greek way of looking at it is this. They're looking as a man of courage, a man of valor. So you're talking about moral courage here when you talk about virtue. You're talking about someone who will stand up and do what is right, say what is right, all the time. That's what virtue is. So we're going to add that kind of conviction to faith. And what we're going to add to virtue? Knowledge. This is moral wisdom. This is the Greek word means moral wisdom that causes us to live right. Moral wisdom that causes us to live right. Self-control we're going to add. Command and possession over one's behaviors and actions. We're going to add steadfastness, the Bible says. This is cheerful and hopeful loyalty. This is unwavering loyalty to what you've committed yourself to, the Bible says. Wow. Wow. These, these, these are personal things. These are, these are things done in relationship. These are things not just because of code of behavior or code of conduct. We're going to add godliness to it, a God-hearted response, a devotion to God. There's that word again. And brotherly affection, made up of two Greek words, which we get the word Philadelphia from. But it really, it really means you know, the, the love of brothers. And it's the love that we have for one for another, for the body of Christ. So we're going to add that to it. And we're going to add love. It says to add love to all of it. It begins with love and it ends with love. And this is agape love. That's the love that God has for his sons and daughters. Peter says, if these qualities are in you and increasing, and the same word for superabounding, they keep you. That word means to set you in place, to give you authority over something. They keep you. They give you authority. So if you're thinking this morning that it is impossible for you to live a morally blameless life, you're not operating in the authority that Jesus Christ has given you in order to do so. Because he says it's possible. He's given us authority. It's going to keep us from being what? Ineffective. And that word means lazily and useless and unfruitful. Not producing what we should be producing. Not living the kind of life that we should be living. 
And then in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, of our Messiah, a precise and correct knowledge of who he is. Peter says if we practice these things, and the word practice means to form, fashion, construct, make. If we practice these things, oh, here's a good thing that it means. And we talked about the word, months and months ago, we talked about the word equip means getting ready for a, a voyage, right? That's one of the meanings of the word equip. I love that definition. One of the definitions for, for this is to lighten the load of a ship so it could travel faster. If we practice these qualities, if we lighten our load, if we take the things out of our life that distract us from, from trying to live a morally blameless life, how much easier is it? He says if we do these things, if we practice these things, if we form these things, we fashion, we make, we lighten the ship and toss aside things that slow our progress, if we do these things, you will never fail, never fall. That's quite a promise. That is a picture of someone running a race. The Greek had in mind that the whole idea of never falling is it, they're talking about a race. Talking about running a race and never stumbling in the midst of the race so that you could finish the race. That, that's the metaphor that's being taught about here. So, so Peter's saying, you know, you, you'll never stumble here. If, if, you, if you practice these things, your heart is going to be so consumed with love. It's going to be so consumed about seeing God. It's going to be so consumed about not just doing the right things, but because you love Him, you want to do the right things. You're not going to have to worry about falling. See, it is where your attention is. It's where your heart is. That's why it's always a heart thing with God. Blessed are the pure in heart for what? They will see God. See where He's leading. See who he's touching. Seeing where he wants to change things in our life. We can walk a morally blameless life. We can live a life that is full of faith. We can live a life that people look at us and and they don't understand why we're so different that we stand out and all we have to really kind of point to is to the God who, who has set us apart it's not and not just our behavior that sets us apart it's him we want to be morally blameless we want to be able to be above accusation but because we belong to him not because we want attention not because we want to be known as a good person, because we want to be known as his, as his sons and daughters. So I'll ask that question again, but just to kind of leave, to leave with you as, you, as as we end here today. What would it feel like to walk a morally blameless life? How free would you feel this morning? It's possible. We have to remind the enemy who we belong to because we have the authority. We have the right. We have the privilege. We have the responsibility to live as sons and daughters of the Most High and to be morally blameless.